Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning. Come on in. Pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller. And we are so excited to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutter's our barista. And today the church celebrates the baptism of the Lord. And joining us in the cafe today are our wonderful friends, Mike and Faith DeAndrea. We'll be chatting about marriage, family, and mission with the DeAndreas. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Can you serve us with a prayer? Yes. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We thank you for the gift of baptism. We thank you that you sent your only son to save us. We ask to just be faithful to our baptismal promises, to seek you daily, and to open our hearts more and more to you each day. Help us to love everyone that we encounter today with the love of Christ. We offer our day and our lives to you through the arms of Mary and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amanda. Yeah, Dave. How's your weekend? Oh, it was quite eventful. Yeah. Do tell. Well, <laughs> so actually I had shared with a friend that I like to go salsa dancing. And so we had this plan. Let's go this Friday. It will be so much fun. And we pull up to the parking lot and to our dismay found everyone else knew that there was no salsa dancing that night except us. The parking lot was absolutely empty. <laughs> so So you danced in the parking lot. Uh Actually, that would have been fun, but no. No. <laughs> the, the night ended with a, a riveting game of pool, so that was the backup plan. All right. <laughs> yeah. Eight ball? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, the eight ball got scratched several times. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those like machines, right? So you didn't want to just scrap your whole game and not play anymore. So we just went on, a even pool, without a pool a- machine. Yeah, you know, like you, you put, kids, you put your, you don't put quarters in them anymore. You know, you wave your card that you put credits on. But, anyways. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then so. Um. Yeah. And then the next day, I had dinner with a friend, and yeah, it was just a good weekend. And then Sunday, I took the whole day to just, you know, pray and do nothing. So that it was, was kind of nice. gray. Yeah. Gray out. Yeah. So. How was well, your weekend? It was good. We put the family, the rest of the family on the plane to Bismarck, North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. So Ellie starts school at University of Mary on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So they flew out early Saturday morning and are at this point enjoying everything that Bismarck has to offer. And is it chilly there? I saw shots from a mall. I'm like, I hope there's more to Bismarck than a mall. <laughs> and I'm sure there is. I'm, so. I'm sure they're having fun. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting some quiet time. You're the only one home. Yeah. You know, I really don't like it. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah, me and the pets. Yeah. So two cats, a hamster, two fish and two snails. No, well, I guess you're not I completely I don't, alone. I don't think I left anything out. I hope not because <laughs> they're fully expecting to come back. 
to it's live worth, pets. That's it. <laughs> that's it. But yeah, no, we're we're thrilled. Ellie's so excited uh, to begin out there. She's a a music ed major, mm-hmm. and uh, University of Mary just has an outstanding um, music program. So she'll be able to do both education as well as performance. And the president of the university is uh, Monsignor James Shea, who actually spoke at the SEEK conference oh. last week and kind of went viral uh, with his talk on brokenness. Okay. And uh, so he's the president of the university, a really close friend of Father John Ricardo. So when we were talking about uh, uh, Ellie perhaps going to University of Mary, I asked for Father John's uh opinion and uh mary guilfoyle um and they couldn't speak more highly of uh the university and uh of monsignor shea so so i bet that was really uh, reassuring as a father absolutely yeah 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 you know and ask for opinions you're going to get them and father john is very forthcoming with uh opinions and it 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 mattered so yeah yeah and today we celebrate the baptism of our lord that's right. Special day. Yeah. Became part of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I was raised Methodist and I didn't even know my baptism date until I started going through the RCIA process mm-hmm. and looked up, you know, got, got the records uh, from the church. So um, I don't ever remember in our family, I don't think I've ever seen a, a picture even of my baptism or... You know, it just never really was discussed. Right. Actually, now that you mention it, I don't I don't remember a picture either. I, yeah. I know I see myself in my picture of First Communion, but mm-hmm. yeah. It would have been in black and white in, in, <laughs> in my case and, and on film. It could have even been a Polaroid. Right. So, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, becoming a part of the family, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, is uh, the graces that in... Catholics understand how important it is uh, to to bring the youngins in, into the into the family, mm-hmm. uh, the family of God, as soon as possible. So yeah. So joining us this morning, Mike and Faith DeAndrea. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. Thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. So you're both from Akron. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> How'd you guys meet? Go ahead, Faith. So we were in high school together, and I was having my 16th birthday, and uh, one of our mutual friends uh, introduced us, and I said, he's really cute. Bring him to my birthday party. <laughs> oh, and- so, he, so you intentionally <laughs> made sure he was there. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it started from there. We dated all through high school. Mike was a year ahead of me, so... Um, he went on to Ohio State, and I had another year of high school, and I was at Akron U after that. We did a long-distance relationship for three more years, mm-hmm. and then after his senior year, we got married and moved here. Did you know you were cute, Mike? No. <laughs> did, you, did you know why I you knew, were being I invited? Knew she was. <laughs> did you know who Faith was? No, I knew she was cute. Yeah. <laughs> But did uh, did you know why you were being invited to the uh, to the party? I did. Yeah. Yes, and I was excited to be there. That's fantastic. So, 
Tell me about, Mike, your family growing up in, in Akron. So I consider myself a cradle Catholic. I was born in, uh, in a parish grounds. Um, my father and mother rented the house. Um, there was 11 of us children. I was the sixth of 11. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, in exchange for rent, my parents took care of, my father took care of the rectory, the convent, and the school, besides his full-time job as an electrician. And uh, it was a great way to grow up. So it, it was the first 10 years of my life I was in community with priests and nuns. And uh, they really did a great job of helping to form me. The nuns were in the black habit. and mm-hmm. They were actually really kind. We um, were able to go to Mass every day as a kid because uh, we lived right there. And school was required you know, when I went to grade school. So it was just a great way to grow up. So that's the, the beginning of my life in Akron. And uh, Faith grew up on the other side of town, but we, we didn't go to the same grade school, but we went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. What was your family like, Faith? So I am Lebanese, and uh. so our family went to a Melkite Catholic church, which is Eastern yeah. Rite. And we, our church was right on the corner. And um, so it was very cultural, a lot of icons and mosaics and all of that, very ritualistic, a lot of love for Mary. Um, and you didn't know Rachel growing up, did you? No, they were in Cleveland. Okay. But we made the Rachel connections Muhal. later. Yeah. Yes. I, our, okay. uh, my aunts and uncles had even bowled on a league with her parents. Uh-huh. So, um, but we, um, I was actually, speaking of baptism, I was actually confirmed when I was baptized because that's what they were doing at the time. So, um, received my uh, sacraments there. Um, very tight knit small community, and um, and then went through Catholic schools at St. Bernard's across the you know it was downtown mm-hmm. Akron. How large of a family? Uh, I'm the youngest of five. Okay, uh, four girls and a boy. Um, unfortunately, we lost our brother when he was 16 in a car accident. So that was very um, it was very crucial in our life. It was uh, kind of. Everything was happy and good until that point, and then it got, it, it changed things. Mm-hmm. But um, then we worked through it, and um, I met this great guy in, <laughs> in high school, and um, it was a happy time. Faith, you had said that you got baptized the same time that you were confirmed, so does that mean you were baptized a little bit older in life? No, I was confirmed when I was baptized. Okay. So they do infant confirmation. Infant. Okay. Okay. Just and I guess there. now uh, in the Melkite Mary Night Rite, they do, um, they also can uh, give you your uh, first communion at baptism. Oh, wow. So okay. they just let it dissolve mm-hmm. on the tongue there. Mm-hmm. So. It's a lot of graces at once. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and in our grade school, too, we went to Mass every morning also. So that was. We, I had a very small um, Catholic grade school. We were very tight-knit, and um, it was just such a warm, wonderful place. Mm-hmm. We um, went to Mass every morning. Um, you know, the food in the cafeteria was great. The nuns were uh, Dominicans, very, very holy, really good. It was a great foundation. So both of you were very steeped in your your faith growing up, it sounds like. Yeah. And not many people have the opportunity to grow up around priests and religious. Yeah. Did I'm sure that impacted your, your growing up. It did. It impacted me greatly as a kid. Then I went into high school and things changed. Mm-hmm. You know, we moved away from the church and 
I just felt like I got sucked up into the culture and kind of walked away to a certain extent. I became what I would consider a cultural Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, it was part of my heritage. You'd go to mass out of obligation. I just felt like I didn't have a, you know, and through college as well, I just didn't feel like I had a, a good, healthy relationship with Christ. Faith was very helpful being in relationship with her because I sensed that she did, but I did not. Mm-hmm. What high school did you guys go to? St. Vincent, St. Mary. Okay. Home of LeBron James. <laughs> but we were way later. <laughs> and uh, a pretty good football team? Yeah, we were pretty good back then. <laughs> they were actually state No, we weren't. No? Not when I played. They were good. We yeah. were good. Yeah. And that's what... Um, then brought you to Ohio State? Yes. Yeah. You were a freshman in Woody Hayes' final year of coaching. That's correct. I played one game for Woody, and then I, I played all uh, every game after that with Earl Bruce. Mm-hmm. Special teams all, all three years and started a year and a half. But I really enjoyed the experience of being in Columbus. I loved Columbus. And Faith and I, when we got married, that was part of the negotiation. <laughs> we have to move to Columbus and... <laughs> Thankfully, she said yes. No no plans to go back to Akron. I tried. <laughs> I always wanted to go home. I even called it home, for, you know, uh, wanted to move back for several years. And then as the kids started coming and um, we realized that, you know, it, it is a good city and it was, it's been very good for our family. No looking yeah. back. No. no, no, not now. Were you married right out of uh, college then? So after his senior year, I was still a junior. So uh, we got married in Akron and moved here. And we were married about a year. And we had um, got pregnant with our first child at the end of that first year. And then um, another son after that. And then went to Medjugorje. Sorry. In 1987. In 1987. And <laughs> had a very beautiful conversion there, re- reversion there. And then um, something kind of markedly in our walk, um, we had three little kids, and we were um, kind of very busy, overwhelmed a little bit. And I remember kind of not really knowing what the churches teach, although 12 years in a Catholic school did not really understand mm-hmm. what the teaching was on that. And so um, I remember going to a priest at a, I think it was a marriage uh, retreat. And um, I said, you know, I don't know how I could, you know, do, live this out. Um, When you say this, just a relationship with Mary? um, No, like that. Um, We could, like, because contraception was just a, a normal thing. We didn't really realize that it was against church teachings. Mm, So, um, we were realizing that, um, that I needed, I needed to confess this and, um, do something about it. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? We have these three little kids and I, I just can't imagine having more right now. And, um, it was, uh, a priest father Fisher and he said, well, you can do natural family planning. And I said, well, what is that? I don't Mm -hmm. even know (laughs) what that is. And he said, well, um, this is what it is, and this is, you know, condoned by the church, and we encourage you to follow this walk. And he told me how to go to classes, so we did. Um, we did 
um, I think it was by the time it was maybe four weeks. We where went, where in Columbus did you settle? Uh, we were in North Columbus. Okay. Like near Northland Mall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just had a little split level there. And um, so we did that for a few years, spaced our kids, you know, and um, then after a while, um, we started teaching. And that was great. Um, we really learned a lot, grew a lot. We had to go to Cleveland for training mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but it was um, it was wonderful. We taught once, about once a month for years. Mm-hmm. And, and what did you teach? We taught natural family planning. Oh, you did? Okay. It did. Yeah. It wow. Helped. Yeah. It really helped our walk, too. And Faith is a nurse by uh, trade, so it was really helpful having that background mm-hmm. of being a nurse and then teaching it. Um, but what she's saying is that once we went to Medjugorje and we had this reconversion of our faith, we had to look closer at what does the church really teach? I mean, why why do we want to live this out and should we live this out? And it just became apparent to me that we really need to take this serious. And mm-hmm. um, I think it was one of the greatest gifts to our marriage was accepting that. It was very difficult. But once we accepted it, it, it helped our relationship. It, you know, you discuss things more, and it made us very close. And I think it was such a gift. Mm-hmm. And I think Faith is mentioning it because it became such a gift for our family. And I think it's a important part of who we are. Yeah. And I, I'm so thankful for the church's teaching. Uh, going back to my mother and father, they had twelve or eleven kids. My mother wanted to have two kids. She converted to Catholicism at 18 after she was married, once they got married. And uh, it really affected uh, the fact that she discovered what the church taught, and she became open to life. And I'm the sixth of 11, so I'm here because of the church's teaching. Yeah. So once I realized that as well, it just became such a gift to Faith and I. Yeah. Mike and Faith DeAndrea here in the cafe with us this morning. Let's jump back to your trip, uh, your your Marian pilgrimage. What was leading up to that? I mean, where were you guys in your faith then? And I mean, that that was a long trip to make, right? Yes. Uh, We were very close to Mike's mom, and um, we would always look at her and say, she she always has her faith. Like we would go up and down and in and out, and she was always so firm in her faith and just very peaceful, loving, kind. Even though she had so much going on around her, and we would look to her and think and asked her, "What do you do that? What helps you keep your faith, your peace, all of this?" And she said, "Well, honey, I um, do a retreat twice a year." I try to get to Mass as much as I can almost every day. I go to confession and, um, you know, just living in the sacraments um, and pilgrimages. When I travel, it's a pilgrimage. Mm. And so, and by the way, um, Mike, she said, um, I'm going to med- I'm going to on a Marian pilgrimage soon in a couple of months. Why don't you come along? Well, I had pointed to the question, I had a question to my mom that, I was uh, wrapped up in my work. We had two kids. I had started a business two years prior, and it became way more successful than I anticipated. Miracle Motor Mart? Was that no, the, that was not before a different Miracle business. Motor okay. Mart, yeah. And I just got so caught up into the world, 
so filled with myself. And uh, I had no peace, though. And on the outside, everything looked wonderful. But I had no peace in my heart. Yeah. And I sensed that. And I asked my mom, you know, what can I do? I see this fountain of peace on you. You know, she had lost uh, my father like three years prior. He died at 54 years old of cancer. Mm. And she had four kids still at home that she had to raise. Never worked outside the house. But yet at the funeral, she had such peace. Mm -hmm. And she accepted whatever God put, put in front of her. And so that's what I wanted. And uh, that's what? why... I, yeah, my, Mike and Faith DeAndrea here with us in the cafe. That's not unusual for guys, I, I think, starting out in careers and, and early in the family trying to build a career or start a business um, where first things aren't first things. You know, what should be first isn't first. Right. And I get that. I mean, it, our role as, as provider often takes over everything, right? Uh, especially when you're, going through um economic changes you know ups and downs i i went through several layoffs you know early and when you get that news it's like oh my gosh how am i going to provide right for my family and in my case that was before around the time of uh coming into the church my first thought wasn't to bring it to the cross right to bring it to christ it, it's holy cow, I better update my resume, you know? <laughs> Muscle through this, figure something out. Yeah. Yes. Um, so similar situation then, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, just all those pressures, not caught up in bad things necessarily, right? But but just having the priorities a little messed up. Yes. So your mom helped you straighten those out. She helped me just by saying, come with me mm -hmm. and... Uh, you know, it's, it's like when you receive a treasure, there's a treasure out there, you want to share it. That's how she felt. This was a treasure, and it's there's enough treasure for the whole world to come and get some. And so we went and received that treasure, and the treasure that I got was peace mm. and uh, understanding and a desire to study and learn my faith so that I could try to live it out. What role had Mary played in your life lives up until that point? She was there, but not in the forefront. And from there, we um, we went and took people back after that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, it, uh, in fact, Mike even wanted to sell everything and move there because it was so peaceful and it was like being in heaven. Mm. And can't, can't we just go there and live? Um, but came to the conclusion that we have to bring it here. And so that's what we've been trying to do for the rest of our marriage is just um, bring that peace, love, joy um, to the world around us. And, and it begins with each person. It begins with yourself, you know, peace in your heart. You can't spread joy or love if you don't have it. <laughs> it's hard to give something you don't have. Yeah. So I think that's what we decided that, you know, that yeah. we need to live that the thing that attracted me to that village was the people's simplicity. They had very simple lives, but they were all happy. Uh, they lived the sacramental life. They went to mass. The, they would go to, you know, one of the things that were, was taught there was go to confession once a month. Mm -hmm. That'll help you and it'll help your spiritual life. It'll help your peace with other people. It was such a gift to learn that and to see uh, in that community them living it out and how 
happy and peaceful they were. It was very attractive. Well, prior to this experience with this community, Mike, you said you were walking into this situation with the, the, the struggle of world and work. And so that must have been just very different for you. Life-changing, it sounds like. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely different. And uh, it was just so attractive mm. because we fill our minds and our thoughts sometimes with so much of what's happening in front of us day to day in this world. The t- you know, technology is crazy how fast it, it advances and trying to keep up with it all. And sometimes you, you look at people who aren't attracted to the technology and are living uh, off the land and having great relationships with other people. It's just very attractive. Uh, the key is, can you still do that and still have the technology? It's, it's possible, right? But it is a distraction, and it is difficult. Well, when we came back here with all of that gusto, we were like, okay, now what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. How old were the kids at the time? Um, we had two. three, two, one, and then one right one just after. came that. afterwards, yeah. Pretty young? Yes, yes. they were okay. four, two, four. Um, but we, thankfully, our uh, friends, the Hinner Sheet, introduced us to, it was People of God's Love Community at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it was where they would gather. It was a charismatic tone. And they would gather once, twice a month. Um, and meet beautiful music. And um, then small groups. So women's group, men's group, retreats a couple times a year. And the little kids also had their you know, their little classes and everything. And there's very good teaching. There was a couple of priests in the group. Um, Father Joe Lush. Yeah. Okay. Father the Rice. Rice's. Yeah. Uh, so um, that was that was key for us for so many years. I don't know, five, ten years. Yeah, more, more like five. Um, there was great families there that really encouraged us, too. They were good mo- role models. The All Wines, the Rice's, the Hennersheeds, the Kibis. Uh, David Martin was involved. Yeah. You know, David. Um, just so many wonderful people who helped us on our journey. So you have, uh, we're speaking with uh, Mike and Faith DeAndrea. So your kids, two kids at that point, four and two, did you start making intentional decisions on, on how you were going to raise a faithful family kind of with this new focus? Was that yes. right at the front? Yes. That really got us started you know, uh, living in, you know, kind of a prayer community and uh, growing with that. And, um, and the church's teaching taught us to be open to more life. Mm -hmm. And that gave us faith and I a healthier relationship Mm -hmm. just by communicating on everything and being, uh, you know, partners in, you know, best friends and made a healthy relationship for us. We were both raised in very ethnic homes with, you know, aunts and uncles and co- lots of cousins. And um, um, that, I think, was our building block of the, how we wanted to raise our kids. So the things our family has been, you know, holidays and holy days and always those are always very big for us. And everything's, um, you know, built around the sacraments. And, um, and you know, then they started going through their teen. Now, now we've. Now we have seven, mm-hmm. and um, our youngest is 24, and they they went through the secular world. You know, they went to Ohio State and, you know, K 
Catholic schools. And some of those are secular as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was a challenge to keep them, keep them in, you know, Christian through these years. Well, I mean, all, all, all the families that you mentioned, um, I, I know a lot of a right. lot of those families. The focus on the foundation of the domestic church, yes, kind of is repeated in each of those families. I mean, what a blessing to have a community like this that uh, that we're all open to life. You know, some pretty large families in, in, in that group, and to be able to share a prayer life with them and the joys and struggles of, of family life. You're right, Dave. And I, I feel so blessed to be in this diocese. You see so many wonderful priests, so mm-hmm. many engaged and holy and great examples. Uh, we have a Bishop who is a, a dynamic and smiling all the time. Mm-hmm. He's very joy filled. It's, uh, to me, it's a, an embarrassment of riches what our diocese has to offer. It's so exciting. You have groups like Focus in St. Paul Outreach on campus. You have Damascus. Um, there's there's so much good going on in the culture project. Well, I, I see it as cooperating with grace. Obviously, it, it, it's the spirit at work in our community, but there's so many different groups and individuals and families cooperating with that grace. Yes. Yeah, that That's what's made central ohio columbus i think so special people are open to to god's work so then you brought this this joy this intentionality then into into your business yes so miracle motor mart so when i got back from medjugorje i had a reawakening of my faith and i wanted to start something new that would remind me of my faith, and that's where I came up with the name Miracle, mm-hmm. which is you know the greatest miracle of all is Christ's life, death, and resurrection. So it would remind me of why I started a business, and uh, it was helpful. It's helpful every day when I go to work. I have to think about that, and uh, we try to create a Christian environment. We try to tra- create a healthy environment where you treat each other well, like Christ would want us to. And we treat our customers that way. Um, and it's just, it feels so good to be in control of that as a leader. And I feel blessed that God has given me the opportunity to do that. Mike, how did you intentionally integrate that into your work? The uh, faith element? Yeah. Um, not by words. Mm, sure. <laughs> but just by actions, by, you know, you treat people the way uh, my wife would treat her children, you know. You, you hug them when they show up, uh, when they leave the house, when they come home. Uh, you make people want to be there, want to work there, mm. uh, want to buy from you uh, mm-hmm. by just treating your everyone like family. And it's pretty simple. And he wanted policies that were conducive to family life, like closed on Sundays, reasonable hours. Yes. Well, and not to have the different parts of your life in silos. So you behave this way at home, you know, you behave this way in your parish and then perhaps differently in in, in the workplace. And that's another struggle. I, well, I mean, both men and women have in, in the workforce is that you have to have almost a, a separate life set up. So for you to be able to do that from the beginning, with uh, Miracle Motor Mart and build that culture. Mm-hmm. Now that's lasted for 35 how? Years. 35 years. 
It's by God's grace. And, you know, we're imperfect creatures. I make mistakes all the time. The key is saying you're sorry, you know, Mm -hmm. asking for forgiveness and forgiving. And I think that is the gift of uh, being able to lead is to be able to uh, get those thoughts out there in people's hearts and minds. And uh, I just, I, I, I like full disclosure when you talk to people. You know, if, if I'm not happy with somebody's production or something, you talk to them and, and encourage them, but help them, help them get to their goal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, a great guy uh, called Zig Ziglar. He would say, you can get what you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And I think that's, that's a good point in life for a lot of us. So seven kids? Seven kids. And how many grandkids now? So 12 going on 13. No kidding. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, a big thing in that we, the culture that we were raised in and that we've tried to bring down is uh, food. Uh, food brings us together a lot. Like we still, uh, probably twice a month on Sundays, it's dinner Sunday and everybody comes. Most of them come. So then we can be with them. They can be with each other. All the nieces and nephews are getting to know each mm-hmm. other really well. <laughs> Have they all stayed close to Columbus? Yes, thankfully, five of seven are right here in town. Okay. So, all around us. Yeah. And 12 beautiful grandchildren. Going on 13? Going on 13. But there is kind of a key point in your, in your life, your family life, when um, your kids, you're kind of developing what life is going to be like. And sometimes it can be uh, tempting to get them caught up in, you know, traveling sports and, um, you know, lots of dance classes and, you know, and all those things are good in, in proportion. But um, if you don't just let that take over your life to where everybody's running off on weekends and can't have family dinners or any of that. So um, did you have to make some tough decisions there as, as parents as to how, this, uh, Sundays would be. Yeah, I think so. Like we intentionally didn't allow the kids to join, uh, a, a team where you'd have to travel, a travel team, because it would take one of the parents away for the weekend and all the kids are left with one parent and, um, Faith is much better at cooking than I am. And, <laughs> so that worked out. <laughs> yeah. It's a great griller. <laughs> and uh, the kids enjoy her company. And, and so to take that away wouldn't be fair to the other kids. So none of them, thankfully, ever did the travel mm-hmm. part of it. Did they push back on it? Because that really is, e- even within the church, I mean, that can be countercultural. Mm-hmm. Right. We did. As long as they were living at home, they went to Mass on Sunday. Uh, things like that, but we mm-hmm. weren't we weren't real strict about Sabbath things. Like, no, you. I mean, if you want to, yes. they were pretty free to do what they wanted on Sundays. But we tried to keep it low key. Mm-hmm. But no, the travel. Are you talking about the travel? Yeah, yeah, that didn't yeah. become an issue because yeah. they just knew it was the policy. So, once you set a policy, it's usually not a problem. Like when I was a kid, you know how technology can be so disruptive today. When I was a kid, we had the rotary phone. And if the phone rang while we were eating, don't dare get up and go get the phone mm-hmm. because you don't stop your meal for anything. And now to today, it's so easy to have a phone at the table right. uh, and somebody's calling you while you're eating and so easy to pick it up. And I think we all have to be on guard against that. It's something that we have to intentionally 
uh, stop from distracting us from being present at the moment with those we love. Do you see uh, your kids passing on uh, the faith that uh, that you shared with them? And, and, and let's talk about, I mean, the role of grandparents then too, because sometimes it's better to leave some things unsaid, I would imagine, and let them figure things out. Yes, I, they've all had their different paths especially, you know, college and beyond. And, but everyone has come back, you know, they've, they've had their times of straying and all that, but everyone has come back and we never pushed like, oh, you have to be Catholic. A lot of them have, most have embraced it. Mm-hmm. Some are Christian, but not Catholic and that's fine. They go to church, they have their, their life. Um, so we, we are an influence, but um, they know we're here if, they need us, um, and we're close. We're, um, you know, these these couple of Sundays plus every birthday, and we try not to overdo that too. <laughs> um, but you know, it it's um, they we do see them having a full spiritual yes. good life. All of them are healthy, and thank God. I'm very them. humbled by them. They just watching them and the words they choose and the way they live their life. Um, they encourage me to be a better person. It seems like they're always trying to better themselves, so always trying to look for ways to make themselves better, whether it be spiritually, physically. And to me, that's just so encouraging. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed by watching them and by having relationship with them. Um, I recently went on a men's uh, retreat at Damascus because my son-in-law invited me. He went on a spring retreat. <laughs> Love it. He, he invited my son uh, and my two sons and myself, and we all went. And the day after the retreat, my son texted me and said, do you want to go on the next retreat? I said, sure, let's do it. So it was a beautiful time. It's, it's, that's how they're encouraging me. They, they help me grow closer to Christ. Every day is a struggle. You have to get up every day and renew. It's a battle. You know, There's always a battle going on in your, for your heart, for your mind. For your soul um, and it's, it's renewed every day but to have others holding you accountable uh, some of my kids will text me Bible verses that, that have, have encouraged them and I'm just encouraged by them I feel so blessed to be around them so they're way better than I am <laughs> <laughs> I love it the word that uh comes to me from both of your experiences is an in, in integrity and the very fact that you didn't have that duality between family and work and parish life or whatever ministry or mission that you're involved in that there's a certain uh integrity in your words and your actions mike you said when building the culture at miracle motor mart that it was your actions as much as anything. And I think that's very much the case. I'm just getting into the uh, young adult years, you know, and you, you lay the, <clears throat> not me personally getting yeah, into the young adult. I was going to say, you're not getting into the young right. adult. Our phase. families, uh, our, 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 uh, our children, our, our daughters are, yeah, right. Um, young adults. And you, you lay the foundation and, and you do what you're able to, um, to do 
to introduce them to Christ, Mm -hmm. but it becomes a decision that they have to make. Mm -hmm. And that is difficult to the extent where you know that they're perhaps making some decisions that aren't going to go in the direction that you would hope. Right. But to take that step back, pray, have faith, trust, and patience. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the song comes to my mind, they will know we are Christians by our love, Mm -hmm. right? It's your love towards them and the love that you give and project towards others is what's going to attract them. That's what attracted me to the faith is uh, not only faith's love towards me, but my mother's love towards everyone. And my father was very loving, hardworking. Their example is what I think as you get older, you go back to, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Mike and Faith Deandra here in the cafe. Actually, Dave, the word that was coming to my mind was peace. And faith, as you were describing, really what you were just now describing, Dave, this idea of, you know, children go off and they choose different things. And but faith, the way that you just described it, you said it with such peace. And I just thought, I don't see many parents who have gone through that and yet have maintained peace. And that's really special it seems like a grace that you've been given, or maybe there's more to it. You've had to struggle through it. No, it's definitely a grace. And I, I pray, I pray for them every day by name, each one. (laughs) And, and they're, you know, the ones that are married and their kids. And I totally give them to God, especially uh, at mass. I put them in the chalice and I say, cover them all with your blood. They're yours. They're not mine. I mean, they are mine, but they're, they're more yours. You gave them to me. And so um, we do the best we can, and we give them to God, and their path is their path. And there have definitely been bumps in the road, but God is so faithful. He's always been faithful. Even, you know, we, we don't worry because we know, even if it's, even if it's um, not what we want it to be, it's, sometimes it's way better. So we have to just let God be God and <laughs> let him do his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that gives us a lot of peace. Then there's crosses in life, and we've had them. Um, not every day is easy, but you can't bubble wrap your children. You know, you like to. Yeah. You like to think you could just bubble wrap them and send them out the door, but it's not reality. And you could spiritually wrap them and 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 by praying for them, and encouraging them, and loving them, and living a good example. If you're a good example, they'll want to fall at some point. Maybe not at this today or maybe not next year, but at some point they'll come back to it. They'll, they'll recognize it. And you can't measure life by one day, right? Or even one season. Right. So, right. One child in particular went through a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And really, um, it's, we're so God, so happy that we, um, we release them to God because when their conversion happens for themselves, it's real. Like if we're just spoon feeding them the faith and we're just saying, you know, you have to live this way. We don't let them just live and, and let God work in their lives. Then it's just, it's not real. But when they find faith themselves, when they find God themselves, then it's real and it's genuine and it's their path. And it's so inspiring. So I was going to jump in, Mike, I, l- I love that you said that you can't bubble wrap your children. I'm on the um, 
beginning end of, of all of this. So I have a I have a nine month old daughter and uh she's awesome and she's learned to crawl everywhere and she's pulling herself up on things and stuff like that. And that a similar thought has like gone through my head every day where it's like it's really tempting to throw pillows at the at the bottoms of like all the hard furniture and and to be like all right we got to get rid of all this different stuff you know she'll try to rip things off the bookshelf and so we turn the bottom couple shelves into like her storage area for her toys and her books and stuff but as she gets bigger she's gonna try and reach the bigger books and I was like do I do I get rid of those and really just looking at them with that explorer mindset of oh you are so curious that you want to learn things by doing it yourself even though you're nine months old right (laughs) and i think that sticks with us too as as we grow up i'm 25 and i still have that kind of mindset where it's sometimes my mom will say hey you know maybe that's not the best life decision to to kind of do that this way um to delay going to college for example i I became a missionary for a couple years which was awesome um but it was definitely harder to go back to college when I yes. when I got to that point and, and recognizing that like um, me and my explorer mindset in that wanting to learn the world on my own sometimes takes that um, having to do it myself and, and having to do that. But the most impactful thing for me was the consistent player that my mom was through it and my dad, especially to just being there always, even when I made a decision they didn't quite like, they were still like that didn't have some kind of disapproval that kicked me out of the house but mm-hmm. instead it was more like a um okay cool that's a good decision let's see how this plays out and wouldn't have been the one that I would have made but I'm still here and I still love you yeah <laughs> and that was that was huge for me right or comes back around to the community too that you guys had uh, as young parents and you know fake it till you make it you know and, and it's one thing just to do it as a couple but when when you have a community to turn to or mentors in your own parents um you know no one's going to hand the car keys to a six-year-old right i mean there there there's a formation that's always there and if you have your ideas of what is good but then if you can look to others and pray with them get their advice then um, you're, you're, you're going to raise a much healthier family. Yes. So. Yeah. And children, as, uh, he was saying, children are a gift that almost force you to look to God because you're so vulnerable as a parent. And when your wife's pregnant and you're getting ready to have that next child, anything can happen. You don't know what's going to happen. And it, uh, to me, it brought me closer to God because I, I wanted to pray. I wanted to pray more for the child, for the mother, everything went well. I mean, it's, it's just a natural opportunity to draw closer to God by, by being open to life and having more kids or a child. You've mentioned several times the, just the openness to life. And so kind of stemming back to our original conversation about your saying yes to natural family planning, I just, I'd love to hear more about that because I've heard other couples say just it really was a dynamic change between the couple. You found that? Definitely. Yes. Um, I mean, there, it's so interesting to learn about. I think when you, uh, you really learn what your body does and how magnificently we're created, it's Amazing. amazing and then for my husband to learn it too and when you both have this new awareness and alert um, 
and you're and there are so you you learn what your natural cycle is and then you are working with it and you're working within it and um so there are there are times of abstinence which can be challenging for couples but there are also times of growth too because you find other ways of expressing your affection and so we can't have that fullness right now but we can go for a a walk and we can you know there's other other ways of expressing your love so you really learn to fortify those and you know that you kind of realize that um, there's always going to be times in life where you have to be able to control that and so it's a good um, it's a respect it's a mutual respect it forces you not to look at your spouse as an object of your pleasure Mm -hmm. it forces you to think of them as a conjugal act of love that a new life can be created through this act of love that is such a gift once you realize it I think if everyone would accept that, it would change the world. And you're kind of going through life and you're like, okay, well, this is the time that we would like to be together. But And, well, everything's okay. Like, you know, we can afford another one and we can, you know, I'm okay. I'm physically okay. And then you are more open to, well, uh, let's just yes. enjoy that. You know, so, um, and, or no, no, I am so busy right now I couldn't even imagine we can't afford it you know and so then you would try to be more strict with your yourselves um so and it worked out Mm -hmm. uh and we so the kids were like two years apart the first five were two years apart and then there was about a five-year break and um and then two more two little girls on the end two years apart we still call them the little girls (laughs) and they're (laughs) 24 and 26 but um yeah, but it, it has all turned out so well and so much better than we could have ever planned it. And I, I like how you drew out this idea of actually it doesn't say no to intimacy. It actually sounds like it helped you grow in different forms of intimacy, which is very beautiful. Yes, it really is. Um, that was, I think, our biggest growth was just, and you're working with it every day. It's a life process. It's not. And once you have the knowledge of Natural family planning, you have it for your whole life, through your childbearing years, you know, and and beyond. So, um, and it... It also gave me a great love for the church because the Catholic Church is the only church that really is pushing it and teaching it and, you know, embraces it. And so it was easy for me to embrace once we learned it and once we uh, experienced the fruit of it, which was a healthier relationship with each other. The divorce rate for people who practice natural family planning is like 4%. Wow. And, you know, the, the divorce rate in society, including Catholics right now, is about 50%. The Catholic society mirrors society. And I think it's such a gift if people would just embrace it. And- when it's understanding, thanks for bringing that up, Mike, it's understanding our design, right? And how we're made, how we're made to love, how we're made to be in relationship that that all comes into play here with in, in this teaching i'm going to force an analogy here let's see if it works um with an automobile right sure. i mean you want to bring a car up to its specs and right. and look at how that car is designed and and then get it to function according to that design and, and it's going to operate well it's then understanding the human 
person, our human relationships the same way. How are we designed for intimacy, for relationship, and then go from there? And look at what the culture feeds us are all, um, you know, contraception and um, in, in healthcare faith, all the things that are messing with that design so that it's the body isn't functioning the way that God intended it to function. That's a very important thing because um, like a lot of contraception now is long range. So they might say, well, I'll do this form and that's three years. We don't even have to think about it. But with natural family planning, you're talking about it every month. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it keeps you in a real conversation uh, for your marriage. So, um, you're not just saying, okay, we're on, and you're not, you're not letting God into your marriage in that way. You know, you're just saying, okay, this is what we want. Uh, we don't want to have another child for at least three, three to five years. But if you're open to whatever God wants, uh, within your, within your own limits, um, you're, you've got an ongoing conversation about it pretty regularly mm-hmm. and, and seeing, you know, what is, what does God want here? What can we, what are we able to do? And um, it's a good dialogue. Going, going to your analogy, Dave, and and the automotive analogy of the car. In the car is an owner's manual. You go in the glove box, you get the owner's manual. You need to know something about the car and how it operates and how, how you could do something wrong with it. Read the owner's manual. I believe the church gave us the owner's manual of (laughs) contraception. And if you understand it, Natural family planning is the owner's manual to a happy, healthy life. Mm. It's a gift. Natural law. Thanks for affirming my analogy. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And now, um, I'm sorry, Faith, um, you were trained as a nurse, or are trained as a nurse. And that understanding of how the body is made to operate, uh, all your training, nursing training, is understanding how the body functions and how we are designed and now this next stage in your career is to bring the catholic understanding of the operating manual for the human body into into your next career step with sancta familia yes i had a great gift i got to be a nurse with dr michael parker for five years and we worked completely with fertility and i got to be the um person who dealt with the infertility so I saw another side of that like these women who struggled so hard just to have a child and then the other side I also worked with the other side who you know had to regulate that Mm -hmm. Um, so but when you see a woman who struggles and who begs God for a child and then every month just we're doing all these interventions and all these, but we, we found the most natural ways to, to work with that. And, um, yeah, it was a great gift. So I learned even more about, um, you know, God and, and doctor and couple working together to achieve. And cooperating with God all the way through. Right. So again, that cooperating with grace. And that was, that was such a gift with Dr. Parker because he he was so involved and he was so excited and like when we get you know we were trying working with a couple to get pregnant for 
a year, two years, or six months even. And uh, we'd give him the news, and he was, oh, praise God. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so exciting. And, you know, he was all in. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. So, and yes, now I'm going to be working with Sancta Familia with Dr. Lewis and your lovely wife. Mm-hmm. And um, working with autism and ADHD. And, and those are some things we've dealt with, too. Um, so just using, using, um, just everything that's natural to, and, and medicine to try to help these kids. I think it's another example of having that integration, having that integrity between the different aspects of your life. There's no reason why you would go into a medical situation, whether it's fertility, infertility, um, autism, ADHD, and not invite God into it mm-hmm. and, and not to say, well, okay, God is important in all these other areas of my life, but I'm just going to turn this over to science. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, you, you trust the science, you understand the science in relation to how that design is, but you don't separate it from God. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. And I think in so many areas in, in our lives now, we are separating things mm-hmm. uh, and, and saying, God, you're okay in this area of my life. You're very important here, but not here. And that's where we have to make in all of our decisions, especially in our young people coming up through school and making career decisions to, in, to have that integration. Right. Well, and I think culturally the integration has just broken down like years ago. It, it obviously it, doesn't work. Right. But, but so I think you're right, Dave, we need to be more intentional of like, oh, I, I need to invite God into every aspect and, and we call him the divine physician, right? Mm. So why wouldn't we invite him, especially into our health? Right. Right. Any final words, Mike and Faith? Um, I would say that uh, just love God and love people because God loves people. He loves everybody. And the more that you love, the more hap- the more joyful your life becomes. So God is love. Just love people. Uh, I think just going back to Dr. Lewis, a, a beautiful thing that they have, uh, he, he has God within him and, mm-hmm. he, and they even have the Eucharist right there in the office. Yeah. So, um, just yes, incorporating, uh, Jesus into every part of our life, whether it's sports or medicine, yeah. all of it. Stay close. Business. Stay close. Yes. <laughs> Mike and Faith Deandra, thanks for being in the cafe with us this morning. Tomorrow we'll be joined by a couple focus missionaries as they come home from their seek 24 conference. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Love you all. We'll see you tomorrow at 8.